All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Gotham Writers Inside Writing. Today, we're going to be talking about debut fiction. But first, a couple of announcements. As you all probably know, the Gotham Writers Conference is taking place this October 16th through 18th. If you want to register, registration is open on the website, and I will have more on this at the end of the show. Also, more on the Twitter pitch party and how to participate after the show as well. As for today, remember that you can submit your Q&A questions using that Q&A function on your Zoom dashboard. A quick note about that, it's, it's best to get your questions in early. If you save them for the end, there's a good chance I'll miss them. So get your questions in as soon as you can. I see some people are using it already. That's very good. Uh, so yeah, get those in as soon as you can. The sooner I see them, the sooner I can get to them. All right, so on to debut fiction. As always, I want to start with a quote. This is one of my favorite writing quotes from Richard Bach, who said, a professional writer is an amateur who didn't quit. Now then, let's meet our guests. First off, debut author of the book, You Exist Too Much, Zaina Arafat. Hello, Zaina. Hi, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for being here. And our second guest, literary agent from Trident Media, Alexa Stark. Hello, Alexa. Hi. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. So we're going to start the show the way we always do with a definition. Alexa, debut fiction seems a little self-explanatory, but how would you define what debut fiction is? Yeah, I mean, quite simply, it's your first book of fiction. You haven't published before. This is your debut. And kind of from a publishing perspective, that's both extremely exciting and also sometimes maybe risky. Exciting because it's this fresh new thing. You don't have any potentially sales figures in the background, kind of the world is your oyster. It's, I, I love working with new voices. I love building up their careers. I'm, I always look for debut fiction. Um, can be risky because if you're not an established author, you don't have sales behind you, you might not have a big platform, you know, publishers might be taking a risk on you. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's how I define it. Gotcha, thank you. Uh, so Zaina, was this the first book-length project you'd written, or was this just the first one that you started querying? This was the first book-length project that I had ever written, um, and yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, Alexa, are, are published debuts often the first book that writers write, or is it usually second, third, fourth books? Uh, well, debut, debut novels, um, or one thing. I think maybe what you're asking is if sometimes they publish collections before they publish debut novels. So they can publish the collection that can kind of be the precursor and then boom out with their debut novel. Mm -hmm. um, gotcha. And, and Zaina, this was the first one you'd written. Had you explored writing other ones before? Or was this always going to be that first book length project you worked on? Well, actually, I initially, so I started as a, I started my career, um, writing journalism. And then I was, uh, I, I began writing essays. Um, and I was initially planning to write an essay collection that was going to be very different than this novel. And then um, when I went to grad school for my MFA, I started working on this novel. And I just like, I don't know, suddenly woke up one day, literally, it was like New Year's Day, I remember. And I just decided and I'd sprained my neck. So I hadn't gone out the night before. And I just sat down and started writing this novel. <laughs> and then the, that took precedence over the essays. Gotcha. Uh, Alexa, how important is it for authors, especially debut author, authors, to have published shorter stuff elsewhere before they work on a book-length project? 
I mean, it definitely helps. I wouldn't say that it's absolutely necessary to have, you know, a list of, of publications when you carry an agent. It definitely helps it stand out amongst the bunch. Um, but I'd say, like, if you have an MFA, if you've gone to conferences, um, even if you published essays, even if you're pitching a novel, if you publish an essay, an article, that's definitely helpful. Um, but yeah, I would say if you if you do have stories that you feel are ready to submit, um, it's definitely helpful to try to place them before you start clearing agents. Mm -hmm. And Zaina, you, as you mentioned, you had that journalism background. You've also published short pieces pretty widely outside of this debut novel. How do you feel like publishing those short pieces helped you in writing this novel? I feel like it was, um, it was sort of like stretching in some way. I mean, like you learn how to, um, it's a warm up, first of all. And secondly, you learn how to like go through the process of beginning a piece and then finishing a piece and submitting a piece and revising a piece, um, maybe just on a smaller scale. Um, and, you know, you get used to all of the emotions, I think, that accompany writing a larger, uh, uh, doing something book length. Um, I mean, the emotions exist in a sort of shorter and less intense way. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, um, you know, the sort of like anxiety and then, fear and rejection and excitement and, um, you know, so all of that together, uh, mm -hmm. I think is what really, I think it was helpful to have the experience of publishing short pieces first mm -hmm. before embarking on this. You mentioned that you just woke up one day and you wanted to write this book. Did you stop writing short pieces altogether after that? Or did you still work on them sort of as side projects? Well, Good question. For a while, I stopped altogether writing short pieces because I was also in my MFA at the time. And when you're in an MFA, at least at Iowa, they sort of encourage you to um, to sort of keep your head down and write rather than to think about like publishing, to think about submitting, to think about anything related to like, you know, the industry or the business side of things. So while I was doing my MFA, I just worked on this project. And then once I returned to the world, and moved back to New York, um, I returned to writing essays um, because, you know, for various reasons. Um, I like essays and uh, you need a break sometimes from writing a novel, <laughs> but you wanna still keep writing, so, so yeah. Alexa, you, you already touched on how people's shorter publications can, can look good on a query. Uh, Will Aquarius, will acquiring authors publishing credits ever determine if you make an author or not, or make an offer or not? I wouldn't say that would ever be the determining factor for me. The determining factor is like usually the voice, um, the manuscript itself. It, I would say where it really is helpful and get, is just that kind of beginning stage of getting my attention and getting another agent's attention. Um, it'll make me want to read it more. But then when it just comes down to it, the decision is, is really just about the voice. Mm -hmm. So if you got a query with somebody who had no publishing credits, that wouldn't be a deterrent. You'd still, it's still all about the quality of that writing. I might just be less likely to request it in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, but, but it, it depends on the genre. Like if it's literary fiction, it definitely helps if they had some credentials and MFA it just shows that they're really serious about their craft. Um, if it's more kind of upmarket genre, if the hook's really good, then maybe I'm, I'll be more inclined to request it, even if there's nothing else, you know, no credentials whatsoever. Gotcha. And aside from publishing stuff elsewhere, Alexa, what else can writers be doing to bolster their chances? Should they have a website? Should they do social media? What should they, 
be doing with themselves? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I mean, it's, it's so tricky to say like what exactly the right moves are, but I'd say, yeah, in addition to submitting, um, read widely, like know your market. That's extremely important. Um, it's harder now in, in the pandemic, but I'd say like having a really strong literary community around you is extremely important. I find a lot of my clients through referrals, um, social media, I would say is, you know, it, it can help, but for me, it's not usually ever, you know, it helps if they have a big Twitter following, but it's never a huge factor for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, read widely. I, I'd say like once you start, once you're kind of starting to get ready to query, definitely um, get a subscription to Publishers Marketplace. That's kind of the inside uh, website where you see in real time all the deals that are happening. You can get a sense of what agents are active, what they're looking for, what publishers are buying, and really kind of start honing your list of agents that you want to submit to. Mm -hmm. Touched on a lot of points that I want to get back to later. Um, but Zane, I wanted to ask you, what was your platform like before you published You Exist Too Much? And has it changed since then? Did, did you actively build a platform beforehand? Well, beforehand, I had, it's funny, I had a blog because it was, you know, back in the days when blogs were a thing. And I had, my blog was also like linked to my Facebook. So I had this sort of um, following via the blog. And I was writing for a magazine that was based in the Middle East. And so that sort of helped me to have like a bit of a platform in some way um and just kind of like building my name as a as a writer in the world but you know at the time i was doing nonfiction, and then i think that building my platform now has been i'm not i have a i'm not a natural when it comes to like social media at all it's just like never been my inclination but um i think i've, I've tried to i've tried to sort of use it to my comfort level um, you know, I think if you're not inclined to be tweeting all the time and like, then that's okay. You don't have to. I mean, there's some writers that don't exist online at all. Um, but for me, I found it to be, especially during this pandemic, a really useful tool for engaging with readers and just like keeping up with the literary community, which like, as Alexa said, is a hugely, at least for me, it's been really important to have like that, those friends and just like kind of colleagues that are all kind of in the same, in that world. Um, and it's just, it's just it, like any other community, it's really useful. Mm. So, so yeah, I mean, my platform has sort of shifted to like the online, the social media world and away from like having that little blog that, um, and the magazine following, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it is um, important mm. to the extent that, you know, it suits you to mm. have a platform. Speaking of writing community, Zaina, in, in the writing stages of You Exist Too Much, were you actively seeking feedback? Were you in a writing group? Did you have beta readers? How did you approach all of that? Well, I was in, um, so for much of it, I was in my MFA. So I had, I had a workshop um, and that was where I had, you know, readers and feedback. And um, my classmates were, I mean, they were just so, they were so amazing. They were just such great writers and such great readers that it, really elevated I think the quality of the of the writing um and the trajectory of the story and you know I, I must say I it was it's hard and sensitive I think sometimes to get feedback especially on something that's kind of close to your heart and it was always painful <laughs> and I always would 
feel that initial sort of like sting, but then I would wait a few days or maybe even a week and then just go back to the feedback and like whatever it was that really most resonated, I would like return to that and then, you know, revise with that in mind. And then once I left my MFA, I was in New York and I formed a writing group in New York. Um, it was so helpful because of course New York is so big and lonely sometimes. And um, it was just a really, just a really supportive but constructive um, group. So, so yeah, that's how I would get feedback. So for writers out there that are looking for writing groups, how did you find yours? What, what, what process did you go through to find one? A friend on, I, had, I think somebody initially reached out to via Facebook and formed like a group. And then that person happened to be a, like a sort of peripheral friend of mine. And I think they then just emailed me directly and they were like, Hey, do you want to join our writing group? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And so, um, and I, I mean, I've been teaching for almost, well, yeah, for nine years. And every time I teach a workshop, the students always, um, form a writing group and, and they meet for like years to come. So I think that's another good way to either like on Facebook and, you know, maybe in like the certain groups where you can post that you're like looking for a writing group or, um, to take a class and then just whoever it is in the class that, you know, you resonate with their feedback and you guys can keep in touch and form a little group. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I might chime in there too, just to plug, uh, one of our Trident authors, Tony Talata Moody, who, um, I've, he sent me a lot of wonderful people my way. Um, if you're looking for an alternative to an MFA, that's kind of like an MFA meets writing group. He has this amazing class, uh, called crit works. Um, I think he's doing it virtually now. And he's just a fantastic instructor. And if you're in New York or elsewhere now with the pandemic, I think it's something to worth looking into for sure. Yeah, I second that. Tony is wonderful and a great reader. And that, that crit thing is so good. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Alexa, uh, how, just in general, how important is it for writers to workshop their stuff before querying it? Yeah, I mean, I would say absolutely get it as far as you possibly can before you send it to agents. Um, obviously it's not going to be perfect. Um, but I think bring it as far as you can. And if that means showing it to trusted readers, if it means, um, asking a trusted mentor for their feedback, then yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think anyone in, in your group would do this, but I, I feel like some authors send out like a partial that's definitely not there. And, um, you know, sometimes you only really have one chance with agents. Um, so I would not, I would not waste it. And I would just make sure that it's, uh, in the best shape possible before you start submitting. Mm -hmm. and, and is that something that you would include in a query? Like I workshopped this book in, in Critworks or at Gotham Writer, or is that something you'd want to know as an agent or yeah. do you just assume they would do this? Absolutely. I mean, if it's, if it's a, a recognizable group, then absolutely mention that uh, it shows that you're committed and that you've, you know, really devoted time to this and that you've, uh, yeah, had feedback. Um, I often have people also, if they work with like editorial uh, freelancers, mention that it's been, um, you know, edited by a professional, that can be helpful too. Um, yeah, I'd say definitely worth mentioning. So Zaina, the big question, how did you know you were ready to start querying? Because writers feel like they're never done. So when did you feel like you'd cross that point where it was time? What a good question. Um, well, 
I w- so there was when did I know it was time to start querying? I think it was when it's almost like love. It's like you know when you know. I mean, I, I guess I just um, at one point I felt like I had just workshopped it enough, stepped away from it for long enough returned to it and then like sort of shared it again and gotten more feedback and revised to the point that I felt like if I revised any more, I would be potentially like destroying it in some way, you know? (laughs) So at that point, I, I just decided to like send it out. And in fact, I had Right before sending, like I queried, I received responses, I sent it out. And, but right before sending it out, I changed, I revised it one more time. Um, and I met with an agent and she was like, there, I really like this, but something feels, was this different like before? And I was like, yeah, how did you know that? She was like, I, I don't know. And then I, I told her what it was like before. And she's like, oh, that sounds way better. And so I returned to the you know, the, the draft that I had right before I revised and then resent it to her, you know, with a few tweaks and stuff. And we sort of went from there, but like, yeah, I think there gets to, there can be a point where you revise, you just like overly flatten the thing or polish the thing, or just like, just iron out all the like nuance of the thing. And you have to sort of maybe stop right before that. But like, after you've you've feedback you've workshop you've st- and I think stepped away from it because sometimes you step away from something and then you return to it and you're like oh my goodness how did I not see this like glaring omission or just like shortcoming or whatever so yeah yeah so Alexa I want to turn that question to you but first we have a lot of people asking the, the class that you mentioned was it Critworks? Critworks, yeah c-r-i-t-w-o-r-k-s Yes. Right, Zana? I was wondering, I think it's either Critworks or just Crit, but if you just like, yeah, it's, it's either Critworks or Crit. So yes. And it's Tony Talata Moody. He wrote Private Citizens, a brilliant debut too. Yeah. So Alexa, back to that question. In general, when does a writer know to query? Like, do you, is there a point in time where it's just, you can't fix it anymore and it's just best to send it off? Yeah, I mean, that sounds totally right. I'd say like work on it until you're sick of it <laughs> and you feel like you need another another perspective. Um, yeah, and, and maybe if you have some stories out, uh, you know, once, you're, once you have a better idea of whether you'll place them or not, um, you know, I think, yeah, I think you'll, you'll kind of know when the time is right. Mm-hmm. So Alexa, you also, you mentioned Publishers Marketplace earlier. So before somebody queries, what kind of research should they be doing into the publishing marketplace before they send the query? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you should, you should absolutely do your research. Publishers Marketplace is a great, that's kind of the first place that I would check. Um, it, it shows, you know, who's been active recently, what they've been working on, what they're looking for. Um, beyond that, um, look up like interviews with the agent if there are any. Um, usually there's, I mean, there's always a website where there's a page that lists their clients. You should see if their client list um, has some kind of synergy with your work. Um, Definitely, you know, you should make a targeted submission. And, and when you're querying the agent, 
uh, it's helpful if you kind of show them that you've done your research and said like, this is why I'm pitching you specifically because you've represented X, Y, Z, and you say specifically on your website that you're interested in, you know, these kinds of novels. Um, so that definitely goes a long way. Um, and um, I'd say also once you have offers of representation, even if it's just from that one agent, but especially if it's from more, I would absolutely encourage you to ask the agent if you could speak with some of their clients. I'm always happy to do this. I think it's really helpful just to get a sense of how agents work, what their editorial process is, how they are, you know, their submission process. Um, I'd say, yeah, definitely don't shy away from asking uh, for that. So you brought up another point that I want to get back to, which is questions you should ask uh, an offering agent. But I want to turn it over to Zaina real quick. Zaina, what, what kind of research had you done into the publishing industry before you started querying? Did you, were you perusing Publishers Marketplace or how did you get your list? Well, so when I was in my MFA program, agents would come and visit and give talks a lot. And so that was part of the research was just like going to those talks and listening to what they were looking for and, you know, just getting a lot of answers to questions about what it what you can expect from that relationship. Um, and then I did research by like, whenever I would read a book that I liked, I would, you know, read the acknowledgements and see who the agent was and um, keep a list of the agents who represented authors whose work I liked and whose work I thought like resembled mine um, in ways. And then I did get a subscription to Publishers Marketplace just to sort of like keep up with the you know, it's, it's actually really interesting. It was also interesting to see how books are described because like when you write a query letter, right, you have to like describe your book in a couple sentences and the deals of the day will sort of describe a book in a couple sentences. So it was a helpful resource for that as well, for knowing how to describe my book when I sent a query letter. So yeah, that was my, that was my research. Um, and my agent also, somebody mentioned my agent to me and they said like, oh, you should really contact Michelle Brower. She would you guys have a feeling that you guys would, I don't know, your tastes would align. And that, mm -hmm. so, yeah. That actually, that segues in my next question. I was going to ask you, when you queried Michelle Brower, was it a cold query? You said it was a referral, but had you met her before? Were you familiar with her? And what was it that made you want to query her? Was it just the referral? I, I don't remember. I don't think I'd ever met her or, but no, I had never met her. I just... Um, yeah, I'd gone to a dinner and a friend had suggested that I contact her and I remember that I, I, I read some like Q and A's with her in, uh, in like poets and writers and I looked at her list of authors and I was like, oh yeah, you know, actually seems as though this could be a good fit. And then I queried her and she read my pages and we met and I really liked, I just liked her personality as well, which, um, you know, I think. I think that matters. Um, and so, and so, yeah, that was, that was how that happened. So Alexis, you brought up a point that I want to ask you about how important is it that you gel with the writer's personality or is it all about the writing? It's, it's, it's important that you get along and that you click. Um, but I feel like I would never, I mean, if I read a manuscript and I decide to offer, I offer and then I have the phone call. Like the manuscript tells me most of what I need to know. Um, but yeah, it's always nice if you feel like you're kind of friends with your clients as well. That's right. bonus. Yeah. And, also, and like, I think, I, yeah, I, I think that um, 
it's nice to feel like you click, but it's also nice to feel like there's a professional relationship there. Like that was really important to me was like that we could be, we could, you know, I could, I really like her personality, but we're also like, it's a professional relationship and it like remains that way. And there's just like mutual respect and boundaries and all. And so I think that's really, to me, that was really important. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Alexa, how, how often do you find clients from your slush pile? You said you mostly get them from referrals. Do you often find them there? Yeah. I mean, I kind of take that back. I don't know if I mostly get them for referrals. I've actually found quite a few in uh, just cold querying. Um, let me think. Uh, the book that I most recently sold to Echo at auction called Schwet about a woman who gives birth to an owl unexpectedly came into my slush pile and I was blown away by it. Um, another uh, Celia Lasky's Another Rainbow, which River had published, was was found uh, just a cold query. Um, who else? Um, I can think of many, many others, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I absolutely uh, do not need to, to have a referral to, to look through my queries. Gotcha. And, and as far as the query itself, writers are, they're often encouraged to include a personal note. And you've kind of touched on this, this why you're querying someone. Mm-hmm. What kind of stuff do you look for there? Just, just proof that they, they know who you are and what you represent? Yeah. And it definitely helps me kind of get a sense of where, how you envision your work. Um, if you say like, this is why my novel might fit your taste and kind of be more specific about it. Um, that kind of just makes my job in evaluating your query a little bit easier and makes me feel like, oh, she mentioned this title. Um, you know, it's, it's similar to why we recommend that you include some comp titles, um, in your query just to kind of immediately get a sense of where this book, where you kind of envision your book falling, uh, you know, like which other books on the shelf next to yours. Right. Um, yeah, and just just show that you that you've done your research, that you're not just kind of blindly reaching out to you know a bunch of agents. Mm-hmm. Zaina, do you remember what your personal note at the top of your query to Michelle was, or do you remember what kind of personal no- notes you use? Was it just like a I've seen your work and mine kind of fits with it? I think I said like you know, so-and-so um, passed along your email address and suggested I get in touch. I'm, I'm also, I'm kind of, I, I'm particularly um, interested in, I'm contacting you also because you represent, I forget, I think I listed one or two authors whose work my agent represents and I, um, and I queried, you know, a couple other agents as well. And I would say something like, you know, I had made a list of agents that I, felt would be a good fit based on what they represented. And I'd say something like, I'm contacting you because you represent, let's just say like Garth Greenwell, whose work is similar to mine. And it's, you know, themes of sexual violence or something, things along, I mean, that was a random (laughs) comparison, but like something like that, you know? Um, And, and then I would, I would keep that kind of, wouldn't go overboard with that, but like a few references to work that they represent. And as Alexa said, it sort of also says something about your own work um, as well and how you see your work. And then I would give a short paragraph describing my book. Yeah. And it, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's it. Um, and if you don't necessarily, if maybe it's a new agent who doesn't have that many books on their list yet, if you can also just reference their description uh, in their bio. Like you mentioned, you're looking for this and this and this. That's why I'm querying you. And Zaina, 
did you get when you got that offer was it always going to be michelle or was there deliberation were there other agents that were involved and how did you end up choosing there was deliberation and um yeah there was deliberation and it, of course that's a really tough decision um because it's you know so important to your career um and you can take your time i mean within reason you know is to say like i want to think this through and can i get back to you and as alexa said it's smart to like ask to talk to other clients of theirs um and i you know in the end i i think that i went with the agent who i felt most saw the work the way that i wanted it to be seen um and wanted it to be read she read it the way that i would want a reader to read it and that was why i ended up going with my agent it meant so much to me also that she knew that there was like a a different draft you know and that she could see that somehow and i loved that um <laughs> it's random but like but really it was just that she read the work in the way that i would want a reader to read it so yeah alexa you touched on this already but what kinds of questions should authors ask an agent on that call whenever they're getting an offer that you, you can ask to speak with clients what else should they take into account yeah i mean I'm sure this will come up naturally, but their editorial vision for the book, I think, is is should be kind of your primary point of conversation. Make sure that you're share the same vision. Um, definitely ask if they would require any edits. Um, make sure that you're okay with that. Um, maybe ask for a timeline. You know, how long? I mean, that depends a lot on the author. Um, I usually share my idea of a submission list beforehand. Some agents don't feel comfortable doing that. Some, you know, might just kind of give a general sense, but I like for, you know, my potential clients to know my plan beforehand. Um, ask them about previous experience, uh, other books that are similar to yours that they've handled. Um, ask about their agency, whether they have, you know, a foreign rights department, whether they have any other support. Um, let's see. I mean, there's so many questions. Um, ask about, yeah, like their submission process, um, what they do if they cancel a book the first round, like ideally you go to on a second round or a third round. Um, and yeah, definitely ask to speak to some of their clients. Um, if any more come to mind, I'll let you know, but I think gotcha. that's a good bunch. Thank you. Uh, Zaina, were there any questions that you asked and you heard the answer and you're like, this is, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. What kind of questions did you ask? I asked about similar things that Alexa mentioned. Like I asked about like, um, if they, like if sub the submission process. I asked about like foreign, um, you know, their foreign rights department. I asked about like, um, you know, how they, I think I asked questions that pertained also to like long-term, um, you know, like, you know, cause I'm working on a second book and I had that, I was also working on that. Like I was still, I had returned to working on the essay collection as well. So I wanted to make sure that like Michelle felt comfortable representing essays, nonfiction as well as fiction um that was really important to me and um what else did i ask about i asked about 
I think about, yeah, about the editorial, probably talked about that. And, um, and actually that was really important to me as well was the fact that we were on the same page about like edits that, you know, um, and like the timeline too, you know, uh, the timeline for editing and then submitting. So those were questions that, those were my questions. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. No, go ahead. You were going to say something. Um, and some authors ask me, you know, about communication style and if that's something that's important to you, ask them, you know, whether they prefer to correspond over email first and set up a call or whether they're kind of more casual, you know, corresponding over text. Um, some agents are a little bit more formal than others. So if that's important to you, you might as well ask about that as well. Alexa, as far as debut novels go, you have a, you've had a lot of good sales records lately with them. What is it about debuts that you are drawn to? Is it just purely coincidence that they're debuts or are you particularly drawn to somebody's first novel? I mean, I find it extremely exciting to be, to be able to discover a new voice and, and kind of help them grow from the ground up. Um, but you know, and I, I think I, I do find a lot of clients through MFA programs. And so maybe just because of the nature of that. Um, but that's not to say that I'm only looking for debuts. Um, the, the book that I mentioned, Chouette, she had published with FSG like a decade ago. Um, there, yeah, many, many other instances. But yeah, for me, it's just, it's exciting to, to kind of work with this like raw, fresh thing. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned MFA it, it also showed on your record, you, you have a lot of MFA candidates and graduates that have been published lately. How much is an MFA, an MFA isn't required, obviously, but is that something people should explore? When should they consider going to an MFA? Oh, that's such a tough question. And maybe Zana can answer it better than I can. Um, it really just depends on your circumstances. If you can devote that much time and often money, um, you know, that's your personal choice. I think it can be incredibly helpful. I think it can be a lifelong community and you, and you meet incredible mentors who can help you introduce them to, your, to their agent and maybe even their editors and, and provide blurbs for your book and support your book. Like that's invaluable, but I don't think that's the only way. And for some people, it's just not an option. And for, for those, I'd say, yeah, like find, you know, writing groups, go to readings when you can. Um, join, you know, uh, workshops like, like yours, um, you know, you don't, you don't have to do like a, commit to a full MFA, uh, to get published. Absolutely not. So Zaina, I want to turn that over to you now, since you did go for your MFA, what, what made you feel like it was necessary? What made you think it's time to go for my MFA now? Um, well, so I, I was living in New York when I applied to my MFA and working um, full time and I felt what I really needed was time and, and um, space and I went to, my MFA was funded, it was like a fully funded program, I mean you had to like teach and then your tuition was paid for and you got a stipend and everything so that was really beneficial was to not have to be working full-time and like commuting and trying to write like early in the morning or late at night and I also I think that I did long for a community as well and um uh, some I, I hadn't I actually took funny enough I did take a I was taking a workshop at Gotham when I applied for my MFA and I was like I'd never taken creative writing workshop in my life I, I'd never even 
I didn't know that it was even a thing. <laughs> and I was just like, this is awesome. Like, I would love to just do this all the time. And then I, so that was my um, foray into like creative writing workshops. And that was when, when I, when I saw the support I derived from my class there. Um, and in fact, funny enough, the teacher just emailed me two days ago from my Gotham workshop in like 2009 or something, but, um, um, or whenever it was, but yeah, when I saw the support and that sort of just the community I got from the Gotham class, I realized how much I needed that in addition to time and space and a funded program that made me not have to worry about money <laughs> for a little while or worry too much. Gotcha. Do you, do you feel like you could have written this novel without your MFA or was it all that time you dedicated toward it in the MFA that allowed you to write it? I mean, I, good, I don't know. I, it's hard to say. I think, I think that it would have been a totally different novel if it hadn't happened in the MFA and if I hadn't been exposed to the sort of like different structures and styles of writing that I was used to. I mean, I was, there was also like just such exposure via other people's work and the stuff that we read in like our seminars and stuff where I was like, Oh, cool. I wanted to do cool things with structure um, that I hadn't, I didn't know you could do. And so I may have still written a novel, but it may have been a very different one because I wouldn't have had that same exposure and that same like feedback that I got. So I do think it's not necessary to do an MFA to write a book and you can find community and readers all sorts of ways outside of that setting. So for me, it was, it felt right. And I don't, I wasn't really glad I did it. And it is a lifelong community, but there are many, many ways to find that elsewhere, I think as well. So I, before we get into audience questions, I, I always like to do a little miniature case study for books that have sold recently. So Zaina, with your book, You Exist Too Much, with, with how many books are out there, what made this book stand out? What, what do you think made this book pop? Why this one? Wait, sorry, what was the question? I, I just, I like to explore what makes certain books pop because there's so many books oh, oh. out there, so many being queried. So what was it about You Exist Too Much that you think really caught the agent's eye to the point that it's now out mm. there? Um, what do I think caught the agent's eye? And I think what it was, honestly, was just that it was, <laughs> it sounds strange to talk about one's own work in complimentary terms. Writers never do that. Um, uh, but I think it was just a really, like, I remember my agent said, she was like, I mean, this is like a story I've never read before. This is such a unique story and a really unique way to tell it because the structure is really different. Um, and I think that also the themes of the book as well, like queerness, um, and the Middle East, Arabness, Muslimness, um, and like mental illness, <laughs> putting all of these together, um, I think it made it sort of, I don't want to say, it was a, it was kind of timely in some way, or at least like relevant to our, um, relevant to society in those in the themes that it explored and I think like literary wise it was just like a unique structure and a like a unique storyline so I think that's what made it appealing and Alexa you you've brought up the book Shwet. What, what was it about this book why why did you what attracted you to this book and what made it sellable um it was just so wonderfully weird like when I read the pitch I was like a little bit you know, skeptical. And then the first page, I was like, this is brilliant. And it just explores this kind of like the ferocity of motherly love, this kind of like animalistic rage that takes over you to, to want to protect your child. 
Um, I just think she did it in such an inventive way. And I kind of love that she surprised me. And it's like, she could pull this off, um, this kind of wild premise. Um, so it was just, yeah, it was exactly like the agent said. It was like nothing I'd ever read before. And it was like magical. <laughs> <laughs> so last question before we turn over to the audience. I just want to hear recommendations. I, I'd ask for debut novels if that's too much as recommendations of what you've read lately that really stood out to you. So let's start with you, Alexa. Um, yeah, I haven't been great about reading for fun lately because I've been reading so much for work. But one that I've loved that happens to be a Trident author um, represented by my colleague Ellen Levine is Raven Leilani's Luster. It's brilliant. Um, it actually hit the times list. Uh, a few times in a row, which for a literary debut is fantastic. Um, I would absolutely recommend that. And I also read A Burning, which I love, which actually was written by an editor at Catapult, which is Zena's uh, publishing company. Um, yeah, I think those are the two that I would recommend. And Zena, what would you recommend? I, you wouldn't believe it, but I swear to you, I was going to say those exact two books. So <laughs> funny. I loved both of them. And, but I'll recommend another one, which is, um, speaking of like delightfully weird or wonderfully weird, I, I Mary Helene Bertino's Parakeet. Um, I found that to be really <laughs> just so funny and smart. Um, I loved that book. And I read that one, yeah, this summer. Um, I also, a nonfiction book that I read and really loved was, is Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong that came out in the spring. And I, I find that to be just like oozing with brilliance. So, yeah. Thank you. All right. So we're, we're going to get some audience questions in here. Um, this first one, I, I think I'll pose this to Alexa first. Does, does it help to publish chapters of the novel as standalone pieces before you before you query the novel is that something writers should it consider help. i mean if it makes sense for the piece if it if it's a stretch um if it doesn't really work as an excerpt then it might not be worth trying but absolutely if if you kind of write in more maybe like episodic ways or if this chapter can really stand alone then absolutely if i've seen that a portion of the novel has been published um in a good magazine then that will definitely uh kind of pique my interest and Zena, did you ever query or did you ever pitch chapters as standalones? Well, I pitched and I, I published like a short story that was actually part of the novel. Um, but I published it as a short story rather than a novel excerpt um, in Granta, like a few years before the novel came out. And then when the novel was coming out, like that week, there was an excerpt that came out in like, uh, what is it called? Guernica and then another one in like Lambda Literary. But but yeah, the only excerpt that I published um, before the book was sold um, was in Granta mm -hmm. yeah, as gotcha. a short story. So Alexa, this next question is for you. In, in query letters, should aspiring debut authors mention if there's a sequel already being written? That's a good question. To be totally honest, when I see that, I get a little scared. Um, but I think that's mostly because I do literary and not market fiction. So that, that to me seems more genre. So maybe, yeah, maybe I'm not the best agent to answer that. If, if, it's, if it's a genre where a series is exciting, then yeah, mention it. But if it's kind of literary upmarket, then um, I always think it's best to just stick with one project at a time. 
Um, kind of on a related note, this isn't exactly that question, but sometimes authors pitch me something and they're like, I have three other novels in the drawer. And you're like, ah, just <laughs> one. <laughs> gotcha. Thank you. Uh, so Zaina, we, we're getting a lot of questions here about comp titles. So I want to ask both of you about this, but Zaina, we'll start with you. How did you approach comp titles in your query? Where did you find them? I mean, I really just referred to books that like were once I started mentioning comp titles, which I don't, I, I, or I, once I started thinking about that, I guess I thought about books that were, yeah, similar in either structurally or um, theme thematically or like in terms of the subject matter. Um, and so I sort of actually referenced, I think, a few comp titles. And I would say like my book is similar to, resembles like, I don't know, let's just say, I'll go back to Garth Greenwell in, in its like thematic, in its themes of like sexuality and whatever. Um, and maybe I would say like, I might say some, I'm trying to think of another comp, like I, I don't remember, but I would say, and so-and-so in terms of its like structure and so-and-so in terms of its like the way it deals with like Middle East and you know, Middle Eastern culture or something like that. So I would like weave them together because there was no one comp title that was like, oh yeah, that really, you know, covers it all. So, so yeah. And Alexa, what do you look for in comp titles? What, what should, what do you hope to see? Yeah. I mean, I'd say, yeah, it's going to be hard to find like the one or two book that really feels like it's going to be exactly the market that your book that you're aspiring to, to reach. But yeah, if you can kind of pull from from different novels, um, I'd say definitely it's helpful if it's at least some of the comps are recent. Um, it's fine if you have one that's published like 10 years ago. But, you know, I'd say in the past, like even like three to five years, that's extremely helpful just because the market is always changing and you kind of want to you know, have more kind of timely comp titles. Um, I'd also say don't go like too crazy with the comps in terms of like, don't only mention bestsellers, like kind of have a little bit of nuance there is also helpful. Um, and yeah, I think that's what I did. Zaina, this next question is for you. Uh, how many agents did you query and did everyone provide references to you, for you or did you also do cold queries? I did cold queries. Um, and I think I queried in total like over the, because I, let's see here. I think I queried seven agents. Yeah, about seven or eight. Um, and two or three were references or I met them when they came through my MFA program and I just like held on to their card and I, you know, emailed them when I was ready with pages or with a query. And then about four were just like cold. Um, and they, I think they all responded actually. It, and at least they responded to the query and, you know, they didn't all offer representation, but they all responded to the query hmm. and asked to see pages, which was encouraging. Yeah. Uh, Alexa, we get this question a lot, so I'm going to pose it to you. When does self-publishing become relevant? If somebody has self-published a book and now they are querying a different book, at what point should they mention that they self-published a book? Mm -hmm. I would be upfront about it from the start. Um, 
I guess I wouldn't want to be surprised along the way if I take something on and then I realize that they've, they've self-published something before. Um, the extent to which you go, like, go into depth about it, I think depends on how successful the book was. If it um, reached you know, an impressive amount of sales, I would definitely mention that. Um, if it got you know, good reviews, um, anything positive about it, I would mention. Um, if you know, it wasn't necessarily terribly successful, then I would just kind of mention that you published it and kind of leave it at that. So next question is gonna be for both of you. Uh, I want to start with Alexa, though. This again, it's another question we get a lot. When when you when you request a full manuscript, at what point can an author follow up with an agent? Is there like a time limit where the agent can be expected to respond by? Oh, that's a good question. You're making me feel so guilty because I have a lot of people that I need to respond to, and um, I haven't been the most timely about it. Um, but I'd say like a month is a reasonable time to just nudge. Definitely not before a month. I'd say if you if you have interest, if you have an offer from an agent, absolutely tell the agent right away. The other agents that are considering to give them a chance and let them know, you know, put this at the front of your pile. Um, but yeah, for a checkup, I'd say a month to six weeks is totally reasonable. Mm -hmm. And and Zaina, did you ever have to check in with any agents? I did once. I so let me think. I sent the manuscript in October, I heard back from my, I heard back from Michelle in like November, in November. Yeah. I remember it was like right after Thanksgiving. And then we met, we talked, I sent her an updated version or like the older version. And then I, she sent me, she offered me representation pretty fast. And then at that point I ha I don't think I'd heard back either. I'd heard back like maybe one or two like no's or I hadn't heard back at all. But at that point I went back to all of those agents that I'd queried in October. This was now like, I think January, um, either December or January. And I said like, I have an offer. And then that's when I think I heard back with gotcha. from they read. Yeah. So mm -hmm. Alexa, the next question for you uh, This person says, I've heard many times that summer and November, December are bad times to query. Is this true? Are there better times than others to query agents? I don't know if that's actually true. I mean, August, like the second half of August, probably a lot of people are going to be on vacation, but, um, and like, yeah, December people might be on vacation, but there's never a bad time to query, honestly, because I'm always going to read my queries. It might, you know, they might pile up, but I'm always going to read them. I think there's a bad time to go out with books as an agent. Like I would never send anything out, you know, right around the holidays. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe other agents would, would say differently, but for me, you know, when you're ready to query, you can query. And then when I'm ready to read it, I'll read it. Mm -hmm. um, so last question, it, well, this one's also for you, Alexa. If a writer queries you and you turn them down, can they query you with a new novel? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And so maybe, yeah, maybe just remind me that I had, you know, read a previous version. I mean, a previous novel. Gotcha. So last question I always want to end with is just one piece of advice you would give to aspiring debut authors. Um, we'll start with you, Zaino. If you could give one piece of advice to authors, what would it be? Can I give two? Absolutely. Okay, one is to persist. 
I think that that's like your quote from the beginning about an am successful writer, an amateur writer. What was that again? It was uh, the only difference between a professional writer or no, a professional writer is an amateur who didn't quit. Yeah, that, that quote really spoke to me because I think persistence is so important when it comes to writing and just like, you know, persist, revise, step away if you need to. And then the second, but then keep going. And then I think the second part of my advice is to find a community of writers because that will help you to persist. <laughs> Alexa, how about you? Yeah, I kind of just want to second that. Like from my perspective as an agent, I can see that you know, sometimes authors have to query like 60 agents before they get, you know, signed. And, you know, sometimes they get million dollar book deals after that. You never know. Um, so yeah, definitely keep going. Um, kind of take rejection as constructive criticism. Um, and, and then, yeah, I think I already mentioned this, but definitely read widely. All right. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. Thank you both so much for being here. You were wonderful guests. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Alexa, it's nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. <laughs> all right. So you all are good to go. And then I am just going to stay on here. And for those of you that, that are hanging around for the announcements, I'm going to share my screen real quick so you can see. Thanks, Josh. You're, yeah, thank you. See ya. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, so as I mentioned at the top of the show, the Gotham Writers Conference is going on October 16th through 18th. Uh, if you want a peek behind the publishing curtain, we've got some great panels and presentations here for you. If you have a manuscript, a book-length manuscript that you want quality time with an agent discussing, uh, our pitching roundtables on day three, you get to spend four and a half hours with two agents in your uh, in your genre. Alexa, the agent guest for today, is going to be there at the Literary Mainstream Table 3. So if you have a project you think she'd be interested in, that's a great place to be to talk to her about that. Uh, also, the Twitter pitch party. If you have a debut work, you can pitch it on Twitter, and I will forward it on to Alexa. Uh, just a couple quick notes about that. Make sure when you pitch, you include the hashtag P-I-T-G-O-T-H-A-M. If you don't include that hashtag, I can't find it. You don't have to tag anybody. You don't have to tweet at anybody. Just include that hashtag. Uh, you have until Friday at midnight to do this. Also, the big note here, make sure it's just one tweet. Make sure you condense your whole book pitch into a single tweet. Multiple tweet pitches are not allowed. If you have more than one book to pitch, you may pitch them all. Just separate tweets for each, please. Also, we talked about comparable titles a lot today. Make sure you have some comparable titles in there as well. And again, make sure you hashtag P-I-T-G-O-T-H-A-M, Pitt Gotham. You can find these instructions on the Inside Writing page on the Gotham Writers website. All right, so that is the last episode of season one of Inside Writing. So we're not going to be back next week. We'll be back October 7th. Uh, season two, we're going to be talking about short works. So we're going to start off with short stories, humor writing, poetry, personal essays, that kind of stuff. Uh, registration for short stories and humor is open on the Gotham website now. So if you're really eager to get your seat there, you can register now. Um, and until next time, which will be October 7th again, uh, I'll see you then. Thank you all for being here. <laughs>